one 9646 is the number to get a hold of Savannah anytime, and I'm talking four in the morning. Give it a try. Uh, injury Calculator, injurycalculator.ca, and uh, we will go from there. Savannah, we have a guest today on the show. James Clearly. Farman is here, partner of yours, yes, from the firm. Yes, absolutely. Partner of mine. I've known him for a very, very long time. Beautiful. And... Uh, he, he does the same kind of work that I do, only probably a bit better. Uh, long-term disability, car accident claims, injury claims, nice. insurance-type claims, and uh, he's going to help us answer some questions and answer some emails. It's going to be a lot of fun. That is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca, by the way, through uh, through email. First, let's get to, uh, we'll just pick one, uh, fightformltd.com. We wanted to talk about that for a bit, yeah? Yeah, it's a fantastic okay. site. Uh, we created a few months back, and a lot of people have been using it. And why? Because a lot of times people don't want to, uh, call uh, a lawyer. They don't want to email a lawyer. They just want to know, you know, really quickly, do I have a case here? I was cut off. I was denied LTD. I have some questions. I just want, you know, to go online and get an answer quickly. And that website allows you to do that for free. You go on it. On the left side of the screen, you have some tips, some information about LTD, long-term disability. On the right side of the screen, you have five questions. Mm-hmm. Literally takes you 10 seconds to fill them out. And if you fill those out, I get an email and I'll answer you and I'll tell you very quickly if you in fact have an LTD case or if I require some more information. But the point is you don't have to call anyone. You know, you can be at home and simply do it and then get an answer quickly and then decide if you want to proceed with a free consultation. MyDisabilityQuestions.com, we love that. That's a phenomenal site. We're going to talk about that a bit more a bit later. In fact, uh, one of the the cases that I want to mention or, or one of the topics I want to talk about arises from one of the questions that were posted on the site. So this is a free website uh, for anyone out there who has any questions about long-term disability, short-term disability. And again, they don't want to necessarily call a lawyer. You just want to post that question. You want to get an answer within a few minutes for free. That's what that website is for, mydisabilityquestions.com. 1-888-990-9646, 1-888-990-9646, again, is the number anytime to get a hold of Savannah. All right, so we got a question submitted on the MyDisabilityQuestions.com website. This one came from Shane in Scarborough. Here's what he wrote. I have been diagnosed bipolar and have been on LTD for just over two years, and my insurance company approved my transition past the two-year mark, where I am now not able to work at any job. However, they apparently want to try something new, and he put that in quotes. They want to send me for cognitive testing to look into some memory issues I have, and they want to implement the support team for me to work with closely uh, for several hours a week. And apparently some of their clients are taken for a day fishing to get them out of their isolation. And he's asking, is this really a new quote-unquote approach to genuinely help me, or are they just trying a new way to deny my claim? And this leads me to an email that I received from our friend, Terry, uh, Terry Corcoran, yep. uh, our Been insurance guy, our insurance uh, guru. And he actually emailed me a few weeks back about this whole notion. So what do you do when the insurance company, the LTD insurer, tries to get you in touch with a rehab team mm-hmm. to try and get you better? Should you agree to it or should you not? Well, instinctively, you think to yourself, well, of course I should. And in fact, you should. But consider this. So here's what he writes to me. He writes, he says, Uh, I'm going to say up front that rehab staff are different animals. They're generally good-hearted, well-intentioned people who genuinely want to help people succeed. That said, they aren't adjusters, but are, in capital letters, tools of the adjuster. Wow. It starts out low-key, an interview, information gathering about your background, your current health, and it's almost always done in your home. The company's probably already conceded 
the owner any oc occupation test, right? Remember, John, that's the test that you have, the criteria you have to uh, satisfy to get LTD. That's right. Uh, he says the objective is whether you could return to work with some insurance company paid training, insurance company paid medical aids, etc. Now, here's what he says. I'm going to circle back to this a bit later. It's also generally done only with the approval of your attending physician. So your doctor has to approve that. Now, here's what he writes. He says most people will be interested, of course, at the prospect of improving the quality of their life, their income and prospects, and returning to a uh, contributing role in society. But what happens when you've cooperated? The insurance company decrees that you're ready for, uh, for a trial return to work and you get cold feet or get other right. reservations. What do you do? Now, they'll usually guarantee a return to LTD if you fail at your work trial, right? So you try to go back to work, you fail, and they'll tell you, don't worry about it, we'll put you back on LTD. But remember, you've given the insurance company a huge, huge advantage here for the any occupation termination by going through the process of a rehab assessment. And here's what he means. He says, before beginning the rehab process, he says, ask your doctor why he agreed to declaring you a rehab candidate. Right. Your doctor's idea of the insurance company's goals and intentions may not match the insurance company's intentions. His concept of rehab might only be the medical rehab he sees in his world. He's busy and may not stop to ask questions. Make sure the insurance company has submitted a complete plan to your doctor. You've talked to your doctor about the plan before proceeding and schedule regular appointments with your doctor to review your progress or lack thereof throughout the rehab process. So what is, ter- what is Terry telling us here? Here's what he's telling us. The insurance company is asking you to cooperate with the rehab specialist to try and go yep. back to work. By your doctor agreeing and saying, yes, you are ready to do that, in a way, the insurance company may take that as you are now potentially ready to go back to work. So even if you fail at returning back to work, they're still going to potentially use that as a reason to deny your claim because clearly your doctor, by approving... You're that much better. You got it. You're that much better. By approving that program, you are that much better. So you have to be extremely careful and really be ready to cooperate and deal with the insurance company saying before you say yes, before your doctor says yes. Just be very careful. My point is that the insurance company is always looking for a way to cut you off or deny your claim. That's what Terry is essentially saying here. Be very, very careful. Lots more coming up. Your emails, questions as well. one 990 is the number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk radio, AM 640. one 990 number. The email, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. If you haven't checked it out, go to injurycalculator.ca as well. Find out where the pain and suffering portion of your claim could be. Got another uh, another case for us there. Another question okay. that was posted to mydisabilityquestions.com. This one came from Maureen in Mississauga. If I was denied LTD and I'm currently in the process of an appeal, does my insurance company owe me the payments that I was denied? The appeal process has been almost five months now. So two things here to say about this email from Maureen. Number one, look, if you want to appeal a cutoff or a denial, that's your business. I'm telling you, and I've said this a thousand times on this show, these appeals are detours. Waste They're going to get you. They're a waste of time. You're appealing it to the exact same people who denied you in the first place. No. Uh, so that's number one. You should not be appealing. You should be calling us. Let us guide you through the process and tell you what your legal options are. And then you can decide what you want to do. Number two, to answer Maureen's question, once we get involved and we start the legal claims process, once the insurance company comes to the table and there is a settlement, yes, the settlement almost always, and I say almost because there are always exceptions, but almost Mm -hmm. always um, 
is comprised of a retroactive sum. So from the date you were denied or cut off your LTD okay. until the date of the settlement, that's called retroactive pay. Okay, so you are going to get that. Now, if it's a global sum settlement, meaning you've settled your entire LTD claim, there's also going to be some kind of a future component, most likely, perhaps a few years worth of LTD into the future. In addition to that, uh, there may be other types of things that you may be able to get, for example, contribution of costs towards uh, the, the, the fact that you had to hire a lawyer. Uh, there may be some interest that is calculated on top of that. So, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that we have to deal with whenever we deal with an LTD claim. But to Maureen's question, yes, once we get involved, once, e- e- even frankly, even if the appeal actually is successful, which oftentimes it's not, but mm-hmm. even if it is, generally, yes, you do get a retroactive sum. Is there a tax situation with that retroactive sum? Uh, there could there be. There could be, right? There yeah. could be. It, dep- it depends really if the premiums for the LTD were paid by the employer ah. um, uh, in any capacity. So if the employer contributed 10%, 50%, whatever whatever it is, if the employer contributed something, you're going to get taxed on that retroactive sum, just like you would be getting taxed if you were to get those uh, benefits monthly. Sure. one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Give me another one. All right, let's talk about a, uh, an email that we received. Here's an email I got from Darlene. She writes, Hi, my doctor put me off work for three months and filled in all the paperwork, uh, sitting stress, anxiety, and high blood pressure, and sent it into my insurance company. They denied my claim and stopped my, my pay. Uh, I was sent the paperwork for an appeal, which was really just a questionnaire for me to detail my symptoms and why I think it prevents me from working. I just got a call this morning saying that too had been denied, as they don't see how my symptoms could prevent me from doing my job. I work at a big bank as a client advisor, a teller, and I've been there for five years. I don't feel that I can go back to work yet, and I feel I may be forced to resign. I would like to know if I have any other options. So, of course, the answer is yes, you 100% have other options. Now, again, there are two issues here. Number one, do not resign. Okay, very important. Once you resign you are foregoing any employment entitlements, any severance entitlements in the event that you are let go by the employer down the road. Lior talks a lot uh, uh, about that. Uh, But, you know, more importantly for our purposes here, the fact that you were denied the appeal, again, goes to my earlier point and the point we've been making all along, which is that don't bother with these appeals. If you are denied LTD or if you're cut off LTD, invariably every letter you're going to get from the insurance company advising you of the denial is also going to have a paragraph at the bottom saying you could always appeal this. And here's the thing that bothers me, John. You have a situation here, again, which we see time and time again, where the doctors are providing medical support for the person to be off work, only to have an adjuster call or email or write the individual who's disabled saying, eh, we don't agree. We just don't, we just don't think that, that, you know, whatever the doctor wrote is, is either legitimate or sufficient we think you can go back to work. And they almost make this decision arbitrarily, right? Rarely do I actually see at this stage of the process that they've consulted their own doctors. Again, very, very important for you to call us, to email us, and we will help you. We will guide you. That's what we do. We deal with these claims all the time. And really, what happens when you call us? All that happens is that you're going to get the legal information you need to make an informed decision on how to proceed. And remember, there are very strict time limitations for starting these claims. You don't want to be in a situation where you contact us after you've done about 1,500 appeals only to find out that now you're beyond the limitation period and the insurance company is now holding a bag of money that really belongs to you. 
one 990 The email as well, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We've got James on the show here, partner from the firm, answering a few questions and emails very shortly as well. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. 1-888-990-9646 is the number you want to call anytime. Get a hold of Savannah and the email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. James here from the firm. James, you're here to answer some questions and uh, take the reins for a bit. I'll throw one at you. Just came in through email as well. Says, uh, what happens if a person is on LTD and wants to try to go back to work? Does it make sense for them to try? What happens if they find out that it's not working out? Can they then go back on LTD? This is like a story you had the first uh, first of the show, right? Yeah, I get this question all the time and not just for LTD. I get it for uh, clients I have that have been in car accidents and slip and falls. Most of the people that come see me genuinely want to get better and they want to go back yep. to work. So this is on their minds. But I find the question really interesting in and of itself because it really gets to the heart of the lawyer-client relationship. What is the responsibility of the client? What's the responsibility of the lawyer? And there are some lawyers out there um, that will tell their clients, don't go back to work, you're going to hurt your claim. Mm -hmm. That's not what we do. I think that really does a huge disservice to the client. I make very clear to each of my clients that it isn't their job to try to make their case better. That's my job, not theirs. Yeah, right. I tell my clients they have two jobs to do. Number one, do whatever you can to get better. And number two, when you're talking to a doctor or another lawyer in the course of the litigation, tell the truth. That's it. Try and get better. Tell the truth. So when my client wants to go back to work, they don't need my permission. The only thing I tell them is go see your doctor. If your doctor says you're okay to go back to work or you're okay as long as you limit yourself in the following ways, then they can go back to work as long as they listen to their doctor's advice. So getting back to the question, does it make sense to try and go back to work? Well, it does for a few reasons. First, if they're able to go back to work, they get to keep all of their income, which is by far the best thing for them. But if they try and go back to work and they're not successful, the insurance company is then no longer able to argue, hey, you're able to go back to work, you're just not trying. No, they did try. They tried to mitigate. They're just not able to, exactly. So in virtually every disability policy, there are going to be provisions um, which say that if you attempt to go back to work um, and you're not able to do so, this won't jeopardize your right to resume receiving your LTD payments. Every policy is a little bit different, though. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure that you've read it carefully with your lawyer and you've discussed that and you know exactly what your rights are under the policy before you enter in any return to work program. James here from the uh, James Farmer from the firm is here to answer your questions and emails as well. Got one from Leslie. The uh, the address, by the way, help at the insurancelawyer.ca. Leslie says, uh, I've been on long-term disability for almost two years and was just told I would be cut off uh, because I don't qualify beyond two years. We know this story. Uh, I don't understand that. I got cancer and have been going through treatments. I can't do any work right now. And my oncologist wrote that to the insurer. So she's got some ammunition. What do you say about that, Savannah? Well... Lastly, this is unfortunately very common, right. and and you know it's very common because insurance companies, I've said it time and time again, are in the business of making money. They don't care that you are going through cancer. They don't care that you are going bankrupt. They just don't care. The adjusters may care, but at the end of the day, it's the bottom line for these huge, humongous companies that they care about. So let's break this down. They've told you that, uh, or you've you've said in your email that you may not qualify beyond the two years mark. Let's explain that. In virtually every LTD policy, 
uh, well, in every LTD policy, to qualify for benefits under the policy, you have to satisfy certain criteria. And generally speaking, in long-term disability policies, the criteria is, are you totally disabled? That's the question that's being asked. Uh, Different policies define total disability differently, but it doesn't matter. For the first two years, the question generally is, can you do your own job? Beyond the two-year mark, it's can you do any job for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience? And again, different policies, you know, have... uh, Tweak it. Yeah, tweak it, exactly. They can be a bit different. Now... You say that you can't do any work now. Your oncologist wrote that to the insurer. We're not talking about a family doctor. No disrespect to family doctors, but you have a specialist here. Mm -hmm. If your specialist wrote that to the insurance company, and presumably it wasn't just a one-liner, we've talked about that before as well, that you want these medical reports to be a bit more comprehensive, there is no reason, no reason why the insurance company would come back and say, no, we think otherwise. Now, sometimes insurance companies hire their own doctors, to review medical documents, to perhaps assess you, and perhaps they come to different conclusions. That's not what appears to be happening here. So very, very important for what what, what you should be doing right now, what's very important for you to do is to call us, to email us, let us guide you through the process. You don't need this on your plate, right? And John, we've talked about this a lot. Oftentimes people come to me at the end of the consult, at the end of, of you know the meeting that we have, really their response is, wait a second, you're going to be communicating with the adjuster? Yeah, I'm, I'm done. Not, I'm di- yeah, I don't have to answer their emails anymore. I don't have to answer their phone calls. Such a relief. They haven't even heard everything I've said about the fact that we can get them either reinstated or we can get them, yeah. you know, the insurance company to the table to resolve their claim, to settle the case. All they care about is focusing on getting better because, you know, at the end of the day, when people come to us, when they're disabled, it's because generally speaking, there is a legitimate issue here. They feel that they cannot go back to work. Their doctors support them. But the insurance company, that safety net that they Mm -hmm. were counting on, is not there. And we make sure that we hold the insurance company's feet to the fire. I should mention to you, John, I mentioned that on the show before, I used to work for insurance companies. That's also James's background as well. So again, very, very important. I think it gives us an edge in that we've worked for insurance companies in the past, so we have an idea on how they operate. We understand the internal totally. processes and the mechanisms. And that does give us an advantage when we're dealing with them. So, Leslie, please give us a call. Email us. We will help you. That number, Leslie, one 990 9646 Email help at If you haven't checked it out, fightformyltd.com as well. We continue more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show Talk Radio, AM640. one 9646 Thanks for uh, joining us here once again and staying with us, the Insurance and Injury Law Show. James from the firm here has answered a bunch of questions along with Savan. This one I'll throw to you, uh, to James uh, from Ben says, I've been denied long-term disability two months ago and uh, appealed the decision. I know you keep saying that appeals are useless, but I thought I'd try anyway. And I just got a denial last week. Can you still help me even after I was denied my appeal? There's uh, two things that Savannah and I agree on. It's that I'm better looking and appeals are useless. <laughs> got to agree with both, especially uh, number one. Not to make light of this, though. Um, you know, Really, when you're appealing, all you're doing is you're asking the same insurance company who has every motivation to deny your claim and who has already denied your claim yeah. to reconsider and magically change their mind. It's like asking your mom for ice cream before dinner. No, can I? No, can I? No. It's not going <laughs> to happen. It's, it's, you know, <laughs> it, it is literally my five-year-old son saying, pretty please with applesauce. No. That's essentially what your insurance company, with an appeal to your insurance company is. Pretty pleased with applesauce. The fact that you have appealed won't make it any more difficult for me to help you, with one exception. 
In Ontario, you typically have two years to bring a legal action from the time the insurance company first denied your disability benefits. This can sometimes be just one year, so you want to make sure you check your policy very carefully. But the critical piece here is that the clock starts running when you are first denied the claim. The appeal doesn't matter at all. You can have three appeals, and they don't change the fact that your clock has been running since your claim was first denied. And usually, I suspect, this is the entire reason for the appeals process. The insurance company just wants to drag it out as long as they can in the hopes that in doing so, you're not going to bring a legal action and you're going to miss the limitation period. And as long as they keep you thinking that pretty please with applesauce might change their minds, then they're going to get away with quite a few of them. All of which is to say, if your benefits are denied or cut off, you don't want to waste time with an appeal and risk going over your limitation period. Speak to me, speak to Savon, or one of our other experienced disability lawyers right away. Because they're also counting on the intimidation factor too, right? They're the big bad insurance company, so they'll just keep dragging it out to you with Exactly, her, right? exactly. And then you're done. We'll get to a question for you. So how long can a person be on LTD before they are cut off by the insurer? Well, there's no real minimum or maximum amount of time here. The insurance company has the discretion to cut off benefits after any amount of time. If you've just been approved for benefits a month or two ago, they can cut you off. Or if you've been receiving benefits for 30 years, they can cut you off. They have the discretion to cut you off whenever they choose. And they know very well that most people won't hire a lawyer to challenge their decision. So usually they get away with it. Until you hold the insurance company's proverbial feet to the fire by Mm -hmm. hiring a lawyer to say, no, you can't do that, they're just going to keep getting away with it. Get to an email from Sal writes in, says, my girlfriend had a car accident last year that was uh, pretty bad. She was uh, rear-ended by an SUV and suffered a broken rib, whiplash, concussion. She still has memory problems and persistent headaches. She has a paralegal helping her, but I'm wondering if she needs uh, a lawyer. Next step up. Sal, great question. Thank you. First, let me say I'm really sorry uh, to hear about your girlfriend and how she's struggling. Um, Obviously very difficult for her, and I'm sure for you as well. Uh, To answer your question very simply, yes, your girlfriend really does need to hire a lawyer. Because her accident was a rear-end collision, the other driver is almost certainly going to be at fault. And this, of course, means she's entitled to start a claim against the driver that hit her. And in doing so, she, she can recover money for pain and suffering, for her lost income, and for medical costs. Paralegals aren't allowed to represent your girlfriend in a tort claim. She'll need a lawyer to do this. But that's not the only part of your girlfriend's claim. Because her injury was in a car, she will also be entitled to make an insurance claim for accident benefits. And these benefits are included in every Ontario insurance policy. Um, And it can include up to $400 a week for income replacement, as well as medical and rehabilitation benefits. So paralegals are, in fact, allowed to represent um, people for the accident benefits claim. But there are two reasons why she'll want a lawyer for that part of the claim as well. First, because paralegals are only allowed to represent her for the accident benefits portion, they will almost certainly charge her a share of all the benefits she recovers, whether or not the paralegal actually has to do anything to fight for these benefits. We don't do that. Any of our clients that we represent for a tort claim, we will also represent for their accident benefits. Mm -hmm. And as long as they're not being denied, we don't charge anything for that. The second reason is a bit more strategic. Because as a lawyer, I can represent her for both the tort claim and for the accident benefits, I'm able to ensure that, that at every step, we do whatever is necessary to maximize the overall position. 
The paralegal is really only going to be concerned with the accident benefits, and they're not going to be looking at the impact of their decisions in the accident benefits and what that will have, uh, what that will do to the tort claim. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Help at the insurance lawyer.ca is the email. So, man. Yeah, actually, I just got a submission as as we're speaking to uh, fightformyltd.com. This one's coming from a 39-year-old uh, individual. Uh, so, so here are the questions. Remember we said that there are five questions yep. that you need to answer, and then I can tell you if you have a case or not. So the first question is, how old are you? 39. Have you been denied or cut off long-term disability? The person answers, not yet. End of the year. Then, there are, then the, the third question is, what is the nature of your disability? PTSD, mm-hmm. post-traumatic stress disorder. Fourth question, do you have doctors or treatment providers supporting your claim for disability? Yes. And then why has the insurance company denied or cut you off okay. long-term disability? And the person says, they just established an end date. And what I understand then is that this person has not yet been cut off. So this is very important to understand as well. If you are in that situation or know someone in that situation where uh, you are on LTD, you haven't been cut off yet, but you've been told that it's coming, don't wait, all right? Don't wait until you're falling off a cliff, until there's no money. Call us right now, because in many instances, and this has happened literally a few months ago when I resolved a claim, I think we discussed that, in Ottawa, uh, where my client was told 10 months in advance that he was going to get cut off, we immediately started a legal claim. So that during the period of time where my client was actually continuing to receive LTD, we were negotiating with the insurance company and we arrived at a settlement. And the net result of that was that there wasn't a time period. Averted disaster. Yeah, there was no time period where my client had no money, right? Because my client would continue to get money. Now, if my client had waited until the end, was cut off, then contacted us. And remember, most people don't contact us the next day. They wait for whatever reason or they appeal. So by the time they come to us, they're six months, a year, a year and a half without any income. Who's going to pay the mortgage? Who's going to pay the bills? If you contact us way before then, as soon as you know that you're going to get cut off or as soon as you think you're going to get cut off, we can guide you, potentially even avert the cutoff by contacting the insurance company immediately. So don't wait. This is your money. It's your life. We're just helping you. Starts with a phone call, one 990 9646 Email is help at the And again, you'll find out what the pain and suffering portion of your claim could be. Simple, injurycalculator.ca. More of the Insurance Injury Law Show. Coming right up, Talk Radio, AM 640. one 990 9646 Help at the Three email. Uh, let's go back to that question I asked earlier. Uh, and that was, can you get accepted for CPB disability and denied LTD or vice versa? We've yes. talked about the You can't, okay. Yes, yeah, right, we talked about done. that exactly. And yeah. people actually ask me that because they say, hold on, I was accepted into CPP disability. I'm getting CPP. In other words, the government has recognized that I am disabled and they're paying me money. But the LTD insurer has denied me or cut me off, and vice versa. I'm getting LTD because I'm disabled, but the government, in its wisdom, has decided to deny my CPP di- right. uh, disability claim. How can that be? Well, the test uh, for LTD and CPPD are a bit different. And there is an argument as to which one is more onerous. depends on who you're asking. Mm-hmm. So the test for CPP disability is, do you have a severe and prolonged disability? And there's a lot of cases where we have decisions that have talked about what does that mean, right? As lawyers, we always argue over words. What does severe means? What does, what does prolonged means, right? The test for LTD is, can you do your own job or can you do any job for which you're suited for 
by training, education, or experience. In other words, are you totally disabled? And you do have situations where you do get CPP disability and are denied LTD. Well, guess what? We can fight those LTD denials. Conversely, there are many cases where you're getting LTD, but you've been denied CPP disability. So my advice to people is that when you are disabled from working, you apply to both. And there are different reasons for why you should be doing that, a variety of reasons, not the least of which because your LTD policy most likely has a provision in there that obligates you to apply for CPP disability. Why? Because insurance companies know that if you get CPP disability, they get a credit for that amount. But again, just to go back to the initial question, yes, you can potentially get CPP disability and get denied LTD. And if that happens, you call or email us immediately because we will help you get that LTD. There's no reason in my mind why the government would approve you for disability and the insurance company says, no, we don't have to pay you anything. Should or can you appeal the CPP or no? Once it's done, it's done. Yes, it's the government. No, oh, you, you should. Uh, yes, oh, you can, okay. 100%. And usually you have 90 days to appeal uh, and you should do that. Don't let that time frame elapse. Uh, and, and there are, again, a variety of reasons why you should, but you should. In fact, I think there was an article, I believe in the Toronto Star, it was a few months back, you can Google it, about CPP uh, disability applications. They're talking about how um, X amount of people, percentage who initially apply, get denied. Right. And of those denials, those who appeal, I think I think the number was around 60% who actually get worth it. accepted. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So in many instances, the, the people who've been denied CPPD, they appeal, they actually get uh, accepted. It gets overturned. So yeah, you should definitely appeal those decisions. one 9646 the number anytime. Keep it on. You get a hold of Savan and uh, James at the firm with that number. So talk about long-term disability. What is the most important thing someone can do to maximize their chance of not, not getting cut off? And what are their options if they do? Well, there's a whole laundry list of things you yeah. can do and should do. Uh, I think the number one is this. You have to be very careful in how you're dealing with insurance companies. Fill out the paperwork, get your doctor to provide as much medical support for your disability claim. If the process is taking too long or if throughout the, the application process or if you're already on LTD throughout the claims process, things are happening that don't make sense, for whatever reason, you have concerns, you call us. You call us or you email us. We're not going to charge you anything for that. We're going to tell you what we think and then you know you can proceed as, as you will. Okay, so from a concrete standpoint, uh, concrete steps that you should uh, take or things you should do to maximize uh, your chances of not getting cut off, uh, you should be providing as much medical support for your disability. Like in-depth good stuff. In-depth good stuff. We're not talking about the one-liners. We're talking about, you know, meaty reports from your doctors. If you're being treated by several doctors, get it from the several doctors, not just from one doctor. Again, you got to make sure, obviously, that they're all on the same page. Uh, number two, make sure you're responsive. You are responsive to the adjuster because if the adjuster is leaving you 50 messages, 50 emails, writing you, asking for stuff, they're getting nothing in return, guaranteed you're going to get cut off. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number three, make sure you go to the doctor regularly. That's very important because if you're saying you're disabled and yet you only go to the doctor once in a blue moon, what does that say? Now, again, I'm not saying you go to the doctor for no reason, right? But what I'm saying is that the insurance company is going to be looking at your medical records. They're going to get those records. You also want your doctor to be able to say, listen, I've been seeing this person periodically, and I've been treating that person, and here's what's been happening. But if the doctor has only seen you once a year, that's going to be a problem. So these are the most important things. 
James, you have some comments about that. Yeah, I would also add that it can be really helpful in some cases anyway um, to get your employer to provide a very detailed job description. Um, this can be really helpful not just for the insurer but also for your doctor um, in assessing how your limitations uh, will be impacted in the job. Um, and that's always case specific. There are some where it's just obvious that the, the limitations will make it impossible for the person to go back to work, but sometimes it's less obvious. And so a detailed job description can be a very useful tool in protecting your benefits. And John, just to end off on the last part of the question, what are the, their options, people's options when they get cut off? Yeah. We talked about that, okay? But let's just rehash them. Three options. Number one, appeal, which you should not do. Number two, do nothing, which you should not do. Number three, give us a call or email us. You should do. Which you should do, yes. because it's not going to cost you a cent to get this information, to get legal information, legal options. That's what you need. You need to understand what is your legal position. You have to understand that insurance companies can't do what they want. They simply can't. They're not above the law. But as long as you are blind to what the law allows you to do and what your rights are, yeah. then yeah, they are going to get away with it. And oftentimes it is a poker game and it's a numbers game. And it's a numbers game because they understand that the majority of people out there are simply not going to go and call a lawyer or email a lawyer or get the legal advice. They're just basically going to capitulate. They're going to uh, walk back. And again, the insurance company is left holding a bag full of money that belongs to you and your family. one 990 is the number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to a question from Grant. I'll throw that towards you, James, after we take a short break here. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. The number to get a hold of Savannah and the firm and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. MyDisabilityQuestions.com. That's a website for exactly that. Ask your question. There's a drop down menu. Chances are it's already been answered and asked, so you can go through those at your uh, your leisure. A uh, question here from Grant for you, uh, James. Says last week a good friend of mine was walking across a crosswalk, was hit by a car, making a turn. Went to the ground, broke his knee. I'm wondering who will pay for his expenses now and for the fact that uh, he can't work for a while. Well, thanks for the email, Grant, Um, and I hope your friend is going to be okay. Um, It's a very good question, though, because a lot of people in those circumstances might think that um, they have nowhere to turn to and that they're out of luck. Um, It's not really the case. There's actually two things that they can do to pursue their expenses and any lost income. The first is obviously to bring a lawsuit against the driver that hit him. And we've talked about that on, uh, you know, throughout the show, and there's money available against the driver who was at fault, but that can take a really long time. Um, and immediately, um, they have access to the accident benefits. It's available through every automobile insurance policy in the province. If your friend has their own automobile insurance, then it would be a claim to his own insurer. And through his own insurance company, he would be able to receive benefits almost right away for uh, loss of income up to $400 a week and for his rehabilitation. Um, And so if he doesn't have his own insurance policy, it's okay, though. Um, In that situation, the law says that the driver of the other car, who must have an insurance policy to drive in Ontario, his insurance company then has to step in in that situation. The most important thing is that he acts quickly on this. Um, He'll want to speak to a lawyer right away. And uh, we're more than happy to speak with him and give him an assessment. It's, as always, free of charge. one 9646 to get the ball rolling. That is the number you keep with you. Uh, Savannah, so someone's badly injured in an accident. How soon do they, do they need to start a claim for compensation? How do you decide what kind of compensation they can get? So the first part of the question, 
as soon as possible. As soon as possible. And you know if you've been injured uh, or you know somebody who's been injured uh, badly. And by badly, I mean, you know, broken bones, concussion, uh, you know, really, really bad injuries. But, you know, you can have other types of injuries, too. You can have injuries that you don't necessarily uh, see, right? You can have somebody who is in complete shock or somebody who uh, perhaps had pre-existing issues with depression and, you know, it may not have been a huge accident. By now, that person is just bedridden. They're just unable to go to work. You know, as soon as you understand or you get a sense of the scope of the injuries, uh, and those injuries appear to you to be fairly substantial. There's no definition really for that. Right. I mean, you know, the, the best way I, I can characterize substantial is, you know, you can't get out of bed or you have difficulty working or you can't just carry out the normal functions that you would yeah. otherwise be able to carry. You should be talking to us. Now, in some instances, we will start a claim ASAP. I'm talking about, you know, within days, within weeks, but, you know, not months and years. Some lawyers out there, not going to name them, but some lawyers out there, in fact, the majority of the lawyers out there will wait a set period of time. They'll wait a year before Why? they start. A lot of times it's arbitrary. Listen, there are some types of injuries. Let's say uh, back pain injury, for example. You had a fender bender. You know, you, you, you've had, you know, you're having pains, but you've gone back to work. Uh, you're able to function, but with pain. In those kinds of instances, we want to give it some time, right? Because... Uh, we understand that people generally heal with time. We want to see if, in fact, it's going to be worthwhile for you and for us, frankly, to be honest, mm. to start a claim. But in many instances, you know that the injury is severe. There is no reason in my mind whatsoever not to start a claim now, with the exception of trying to figure out who are all the at-fault parties. Remember how we talk about slip and fall sometimes? Yep. And uh, you have someone who slips and falls in an icy parking lot. Well, we know, we can figure out very quickly who owns the parking lot, who was responsible for maintaining it, for salting it, for clearing the snow and ice. Maybe a subcontractor. But maybe, exactly. Maybe there's a contractor, subcontractor, sub subcontractor. We want to make sure we get all the parties. Why? Because each one of these parties will have their own insurance company. And we want to make sure that all these insurance companies are involved from the beginning. Because if they're not, and we haven't done our due diligence, then the claim will get delayed. So, you know, very, very important to make sure that we start a claim as soon as possible for compensation. Now, second part of the question, how do we decide what kind of compensation the person deserves? That comes down to experience, right? Clearly, people know that they're entitled to or should get something for pain and suffering when they're injured. Because really, that's what what results from an injury, exactly. But what happens when... You can't work. You have difficulty working. Okay, we understand as well. I should be compensated for the fact that I can't work, the fact that I'm losing income. But what about out-of-pocket expenses? What about, you know, you need certain treatments that your rehab's not covering or it's a lot more than what, you know, they can cover. And, you know, you are Some literally Some adjustments paying. in the home maybe need to be done. Adjustments. Maybe yeah. you have a family member who's now helping you at home, you know, so they may be able to advance what's called the Family Law Act claim, right, for the services they are providing. There are a whole slew of claims out there. And I can tell you, having done insurance law in the past, worked for insurance companies, I had settled many, many cases on behalf of insurance companies where I knew that I was getting my clients, the insurance companies, a phenomenal deal. Because out of 10 different categories of compensation, those lawyers were advancing two, three, and four. So I had no issue giving them a bit more, so they thought they were happy. 
right? We settled a claim, let's say, for 50000 Meanwhile, if they had claimed for all 10 categories of compensation, the claim would have been worth 150000 Right. You want to make sure you don't go to the lawyer who's going to only advance those two or three categories of compensation. That is huge. And oftentimes, you will not necessarily know what all of the categories are. That's where we come in. And that's where we give you the consultation free of charge, and then you decide what you want to do. You will never have us standing over you, giving you a pen, telling you sign the contract. You decide what you want to do. As long as we've given you all of the proper legal information and your options, and we are comfortable that you are aware of all your options, we've done our job and we're happy. Good for another week, fellas. James, nicely done. I'm sensing a new host on the horizon here. Thanks for having nice. me, John. I appreciate it. In the meantime, one 9646 to get a hold of Savannah James and the team and help at the insurancelawyer.ca. Till next time, this has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk radio, AM640.